Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about data. Don't let your greatest asset become your biggest liability. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Lawrence Pitt. He's Strategic Director for Security with Juniper Networks Marketing Organization in EMEA. Lawrence, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, yes, thanks very much, Tom, and thanks for giving me this interview. Lawrence, just to start our conversation, let's talk about data. One of the things I hear is that today, data is the new oil. How do you respond to that observation? Yeah, so I actually really like this quote, um, but it's interesting because it's, it's actually becoming a misquote. It actually came from 2012, and there were some articles that were written where people felt that some of the big companies out there that were holding data um, I'm sure we all know the names, but they felt that they had so much data. There were questions as to whether we actually should start to look at breaking them up and breaking up where their data was so that it was sat in different places. Kind of like what happened to oil companies in the past, what's happened to some telecoms companies in the past, so that it's a more competitive market. Um, now, what's happened is that conversation has resurfaced this year. Um, an article in The Economist that happened earlier in the year that's then been spread around and it's, it's changed its focus. And so instead of being the amount of data that's being stored, it started to be talking about the value of data. And I think that's really where things get very interesting because data could be the new oil. Yes, I mean, from a point of value, the interesting thing with it is that data itself has different values right across its life. At one point, data to an organization will be absolutely the most valuable thing it has if they're talking about the release of a new product to market which makes up a massive amount of their revenue, then prior to release, that's going to be a hugely, hugely valuable piece of information. But the moment that product is released to market, that data goes from being hugely valuable and hugely held onto in secret to being something they want everybody to know about. The data itself has no value. It's now the commodity that's gained the value. So I think this is a great quote, and I, th I think this is something that actually we can use a lot. So given the importance of data, how must organizations be ensuring security across the entire data lifecycle? Well, the first thing is that they need to really understand where data starts, where it comes from, where it goes, and where it finishes, how it flows in and out of the business. This is really, really important because the only way that you can successfully um, secure data across its, in life, across its entire lifecycle is by knowing what you've got. Now, in the EU, specifically, the General Data Protection Regulation is really helping with this because what it's doing is meaning that organizations are having to look at their data flows, understand what data they've got, and know how they're protecting that data because, I mean, breaches themselves can occur in the most unexpected places. We've seen recently spreadsheets that have been left around on the internet that people have been able to access uh, either on purpose by accident or because somebody set up the security to allow people to get in but if an organization had known about that spreadsheet and known where it was going they would have been able to prevent or potentially prevent it from leaking so this understanding is very very important and gdpr is really making people look and understand that so i think it's really going to help lawrence in your experience where are organizations commonly exposing their data to security risks so I see there's really three areas where this mostly happens. Now, this isn't everything, but these are really the three, as you said, the three commonly exposed areas. Um, the first area is with 
access, access to the data, or quite commonly actually toxic, toxic access, which is where somebody has been given a series of rights to access data over a period of time, and as they change roles or moved in the organization, rights haven't been rescinded. So what they finish up with is a set of rights that give them greater access than they should have to that data. Now, if one of the bad guys re recognizes that and realizes that that's possible, then all he has to do is get hold of those credentials uh, and then he's into the organization and he will also have those level levels of access into that data. The second area is around weak security, really passwords. I mean, the most common password out there today is still password or password one, two, three. We have to change that mindset with people, make people realize that strong passwords aren't as scary as they first seem, but also make people and organization realize that having multiple factors for being able to get into something are also very, very important. We're all used to using a fingerprint to get into a phone these days or a passcode to get into a phone. Why not take those thoughts into how you're securing business information as well and protecting your business information? And then the third thing is user awareness. The most common way that somebody actually has a password stolen or somebody gains access onto the network is still today, even with a phishing email or a spear phishing email. The difference being a fish is a general attack on a lot of people, whereas a spear fish is an attack to a single person. But, you know, if people were more aware of what phishing looked like and how it happened, and if there were regular campaigns run inside of organizations so that they actually knew who might be exposed and where their risks were, then there would be less risk of the fish itself actually breaking in and being able to steal or set itself up to steal future information. So I think those are the three most commonly exposed areas that people want to think about. Lawrence, I might wonder if you if you could draw from your experience and give an example from industry about how data is being leveraged and secure. Perhaps you could draw from automotive. I know you've got some experience there. Yeah, I mean, we've all got automotive experience in the IT industry. It's one of the great things that we're into is cars. But um, it, this is a really strong and visible example these days. We've seen a lot of success, but we've also seen some high profile, albeit nothing has actually been put at personal risk yet, some, but some high profile breaches that have happened where people have been able to find ways into cars. Now, the manufacturers are aware of this. They know that for the future, the autonomous car, or making cars as autonomous as possible, it's actually very, very important for that to succeed. The cars themselves and the data on those cars have to be incredibly secure. In fact, just recently, the UK government's actually drafted a cybersecurity in autonomous cars bill showing how the UK wants to lead in this space and work with auto manufacturers to make this more successful. I mean, they've got a lot to consider. It's not just personal data, things like radio stations, GPS locations, or the heater settings on the car. It's also information about where that car is, the service settings on the car, how the by-wire controls are set up for the brakes or the accelerator. Any of those are a potential risk um, from somebody wanting to ransom the information or somebody just wanting to do things bad. You know, we're, we're giving cars more and more levels of intelligence, but it doesn't actually mean the car itself is intelligence. It's really down to us to design that in. And as I say, we are seeing, I'm actually very excited about the autonomous car as the future because it's going to give us the choice of when to drive. I mean, nobody likes driving to work in heavy traffic. If you know your car can do that safely, let it do it. But everybody likes going out on a Sunday and just enjoying themselves in the car. At that point, you take control yourself. But again, you need to know the car isn't going to kick in and everything's going to remain safe. So I think that's a great space. A few moments ago, you talked about GDPR. 
How do new privacy regulations such as GDPR put a premium on data security and also put organizations at risk of seeing, as we said up front, their greatest asset become their biggest liability? Yeah, I think I think it's worth pointing out a couple of things with about GDPR before we start. So GDPR is the General Data Protection Regulation, which talks about how data should be protected for EU residents and the EU citizens from May 2018. Now, this is very important inside the EU for companies doing business here and companies with citizen-based data, which could be opt-ins to emails any, or telephone numbers or anything that's defined as personal. It's also just as important for anybody who wants to do business with the EU. So an American company that has offices in the EU or wants to work with the EU will also need to comply with the best practices that are defined by GDPR. Outside of that, it's worth remembering that just because we're talking about GDPR, there are many, many other data regulations around the world that some of them have looked to GDPR for best practice. Some of them have gone down the route in different countries of developing their own ways of doing this. I mean, I know in the US, you have data protection regulations, which are very strict in some states already in place. What GDPR is, though, and these other things is a best practice for data protection. In my opinion, what's going to actually happen here is that as companies start to look at this, and we really alluded to this a couple of questions ago, but as they start to look at how they're protecting their data and what the flows of data are today in and out of their business, there's actually going to be a realization that probably they're 70, maybe even 80% compliant today. It's just that never having actually given this level of diligence to what they're doing, it's never been realized. So that means the hard work in actually getting to compliance is actually going to be in the last 20%. And so it's probably not as bad as people think it is. The benefits of compliance, on the other hand, are huge. Better visibility over data, better control of data, understanding of value. Even if you look at some of the concerns around it with people needing to opt into emails or how information is going to flow, you know that you're potentially going to get better quality from somebody who chose to opt in rather than somebody who's been opted in for the past five years because they were scanned at an event. And then finally, I believe that there's a real competitive advantage for businesses who are faster getting to compliance with GDPR and are more successful in talking about how they're compliant. If you want to be the supply chain as a small provider to a large organization, then if you can show compliance and show how you'll fit into what they're doing, you're more likely to get accepted into their supply chain, which is going to make you more successful over people who aren't able to talk about that business value so successfully. So I think you know, GDPR is actually something that we should look at as a positive and an exciting way forward in this new age rather than the challenge it is going to present. Lawrence, final question for you. Talk to me for a few minutes about Juniper. How are you helping organizations to get a better handle on data governance and security? And that's a fantastic question. Thank you for that. So, I mean, GDPR is just as much of a journey for Juniper Networks as it is for anybody else. We're on that same path that everybody else is going. Now, internally, the work is happening. We're working through products. We're understanding where we need to make changes and the things that we need to do in order to be compliant. At the same time, we realize that you know people are aware of this. Some people haven't started on the journey yet, and some people are just going. And so back earlier this year, we started by doing general awareness, making sure that people knew GDPR is real, talking about the regulation, talking about what was happening, but in a way that was conversational, trying not to go out with scare tactics about the size of fines and what can happen if it goes wrong, 
but more talking about the benefits and why you would want to do it and why GDPR could be a good thing for the data inside your organization and recognizing processes. Now, we feel that we've really completed that stage. The conversations are still happening, but it's something that is people really do understand that. The next stage for us is that we're going to be talking more about what we are doing. How Juniper Solutions are helping us to be more compliant and more aware of our own risk, but also talking about the challenges that we're coming up against. As I said at the start, GDPR is just as much of a journey for Juniper as it is for other organizations going down this route. We don't want to run fear, uncertainty and doubt campaigns and scare people. We want to know that we're all on the road to GDPR and that we can learn from this together. And I think that's a really important way to talk about this and it makes it much more acceptable. Very good, Lawrence, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. My pleasure, thank you very much. We've been talking about data, how you don't want to let your greatest asset become your biggest liability. And I've been speaking with Lawrence Pitt. He's strategic director for security with Juniper Network's marketing organization in EMEA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.